Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. They covered. So. They did cover. So good teams win, great teams cover. So Rutgers covered the 24 and a half point spread here. Um, but it's, uh, I, I felt like the game was pretty close for at least three quarters. Um, yeah. It was really just until the end there that things fell apart. And I know I was tweeting a lot about the officiating, but I, I don't even think that if three or four calls got reversed that we were going to win this game. Um, I think all the momentum – really died on that first penalty call on Holland Pierce that hold on the, the Menungai 27 yard rush on the second offensive drive. You know, we have that awesome long score by Christian Dremel to start the game. I was super high on, you know, the adrenaline of that. We, we go, they go three and out on the following drive. We get the ball at our own 25, we run the ball to midfield and then the phantom pass or the phantom holding call happens, pushes us back to a first and 20. And this, this offense just isn't designed to no. convert first to tw- first and 20. Um, that was so a 40 we yard flag, by the way, yeah, because they would have had the for, ball, like at like the 45 or something like that after the run. And it pushed yeah. us all the way back to the 10. That's how big a flag. Yeah, that, so was. that was a big bummer. Yeah. Yep. And uh, Menungai really got held in check all game. Um, he had 11 rushes for 27 yards on the day. Um, Gavin was our leading rusher at six rushes for 28 yards. I thought he had a great game, honestly. I think the stat line doesn't look great. He's, he went 11 for 21 for 180 yards passing, one touchdown, one interception. Like I said, 28 yards on the ground. I thought he made a lot of good decisions early in the game, though, especially uh, in RPO situations. Um, yeah. He didn't really put the ball in harm's way. And I, I don't really put the the interception on him either because the, the play call was terrible. Yeah. Like, Fourth and two, you know, you've you've got, done these like RPO style runs on uh, on every sh- third or fourth and short all day. And then you call a screen that's like not blocked well. If you notice the, this two or three linemen who are just kind of like flailing, trying to get their arms on somebody for that play. And it's unfortunate that, you know, that it went fluke. the opposite way for six. Yeah, that was a fluke. It definitely was a fluke. Yeah. Um, but we're kind of, I'm kind of rambling here. Uh, how do you how do you want to structure this uh, this discussion? No, I mean that's uh, yeah, that's that's a good way to kick it off, and then we can go through the we can start at the very beginning and go through it because it wasn't like we were going to talk about four quarters of football. Uh, the game was yeah. really over. I, I actually put a game over right after the interception for the touchdown. You knew the game was over. That yep. was it. That yep. was the game, and anything that happened after that. Because really, if you look at it, seventeen seven. Let's say they get the first down. Let's say they score. They're now one score. With a little bit more than what a few minutes to go in the third quarter. I mean, that's a that's a real football yeah. game if they score on that drive and that game yeah. just that score right there that it went the other way just it was it was you know big. I don't even know how to even use what adjective to say how big that was, but uh, <laughs> it was uh, it, it was what it is. It, it was what it was. So let's go ahead and 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 by the way, we're gonna keep an eye on the chat and we appreciate everybody who has already gotten uh, the head start on us as usual. So appreciate you guys joining us here on the Rutgers Football Channel for post-game number four. Wagner coming up next. I know we didn't talk a lot about Wagner last week's show, so uh, not that we're going to talk a lot about him on this week's show either, but what I did like about seeing Wagner when I when I put them on the board there as our next opponent, Mike, was the fact that that couldn't have been scheduled any, per, any better uh, because yeah. that's what the team needs. It's just, hey, you know what? We're, we're, go right back to, to getting a W and go to four and one and look at the schedule and realize that, Hey, you know what? We, we got it. We got a shot here. We got a realistic shot for a bowl season. Yeah, I agree. I think it helps too when your opponents have down seasons or in some cases just totally falling apart, like Michigan state, uh, Wisconsin looks vulnerable. Iowa looks vulnerable. They're both road games in the Big Ten, so they're never gimmies. But Michigan State, I feel like you could kind of say that Rutgers really should win that game. I'd be surprised if they were anything less than a touchdown favorite in that one. Indiana hasn't really looked that great. Um, 
Maryland's looked a little worse than you expect, but they're, they're going to be a tough game. Rutgers has seemingly always struggled um, against uh, Maryland with, with Talia there. But there are at least six opportunities for wins on this schedule, and uh, three more of them are ahead of us. I don't think uh, – I, I think it's basically as close to a lock as you can get that they're going to win against Wagner next week. Yeah. It'll be nice to clean up some things, uh, some things that, you know, I thought they did poorly today. They can clean up against a, a, an inferior opponent before you go on the road to Wisconsin. And, uh, yeah, just – I don't think this game really changes my outlook on the team no, at all. No. You would have you would have liked to see it be more competitive late in the game, but like you said, that pick six happens with four minutes and thirty seconds left in the third quarter. And say we go for the field goal there, I think it was a forty-six yarder. It would have been a 17-10 game. Say we convert, you know. And then that's that's one of the other frustrating things is like, you know, Dremel gets held on the previous play on third and eight when he makes that like acrobatic like shark jumping out of the awesome water type catch. catch. Yes. The play before that was the for some reason they called taunting on the field, but then they picked it up. Like the referee six feet away from the play. Yeah. And that was the one where they threw it, Gavin threw it about four feet above Isaiah Washington's head. The corner pushes him and then does like the the incompletion in his face. Like that's a I, I know it's a discretionary call, but if you're the referee right next to that play and you throw the flag, how do you get convinced by the rest of the crew to pick that up? That should be like your call. It's kind of like you know, if you're the referee on the baseline and you say the guy steps out, the guy at half court coming and say, no, yeah. he didn't step out. Yeah, sure. like, I, I just don't understand overturning that. But Well, look, that's why I said actually in a few other games, that post games we did, I thought Rutgers, they were getting a lot of breaks with the officiating. The officiating was when is never good, yeah. but they were getting a lot of breaks. And now when you go into the big house against Jim Harbaugh, you know you're not going to get any breaks. It's going to be all yep. against you. And that's exactly what happened. Um, and yeah, let's, uh, let's dive into it because that first touchdown pass, uh, play was so awesome. It was so great to see. And what was also awesome about it was that it was like pass, 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 touchdown. It wasn't any running. They really, they really just showed right out of the gate. We trust Gavin in this game to, to bring us a win on the road. And I thought he played. Decent enough. He didn't really make any big mistakes. He had a couple of bad throws, but I mean, he had more good throws than bad throws in this game. And he's always going to have bad throws as long as he doesn't turn the ball over. Finally did, but still it's going to happen. Uh, and that was a fluke. So, you know, yep. what are you going to do? All right. So they go up seven, nothing. And like you said, they, they get Michigan to go three out, three and out. And that was after that really weird decision for that kickoff, which, I'm never a big fan of it. Always seems to backfire when you do those weird kickoffs. You give Michigan the ball at the 36, but didn't matter. Three and out. Nice sack by Powell. I uh, was able to trip McCarthy before he broke it out of there. And then came the big play you were talking about to start the second drive, the Menungai 27 yard run. And that was negated on Pierce's holding call. So that was a 40 yard about difference in, in yardage. But, Menungai had 16 yards on the first two carries of that drive. After that, got into a third and four. And what happened? Pierce got called again for yeah. false start. And and, I, and and it's like, Pierce, I mean, come on. We haven't seen him really do anything bad this year. And first couple of big plays of the game on the same drive. And you knew that, you know, I didn't, I didn't really care. I didn't think it was a bad deal to just go ahead and punt the ball, run the ball, and just get the hell out of there before anything bad happened. Um but then Michigan went down and scored, and they got the uh, the touchdown and tied the game, and it was seven seven, pretty much just like that. But what started was the the to me on this drive was the story of the game because they had a third and two, and then Edwards had that big gain where he's in motion, and and I don't know if you you were watching picking it up yep. too, but I'm going nobody's on him over there, and then as he as he yeah. moved to the other side, nobody was following him. And he picks yep. up a big gain, and then they had the flea, flick, flea flicker. But I, I just want to bring up the point of the third and two because how many times did Michigan have third and one, fourth and one, and we had third and one, and we couldn't get it, and they just kept getting it. That is the storyline of the game for me is that Rutgers was terrible on third and fourth down, and Michigan was great. So Rutgers was 3 of 10 on third down, and they were 0 for 3 on fourth down. Michigan 
eight of 13 on third down, two for two on fourth down. Jeez. On their second touchdown drive, they converted a third and six from their own, I believe, 19-yard line. They completed a, a third and eight, and they completed a third and seven in the red zone to score a touchdown. So they just – they were able to we, – we weren't able to put a lot of pressure on McCarthy. I think we had one or two sacks on the day. I know West Bailey had one. We might have had one other. But we weren't able to get consistent pressure on, on McCarthy. And when we did, he was either able to escape it by uh, using his legs or he was able to go to his second or third read and, and get to uh, the open man. He just, I, th- I think McCarthy had a really good game. And our, our defense kind of let us down a bit in my eyes. Um, I thought we played pretty well for the, most of the game, but we just had those lapses. Like you oh, said, yeah. we had Worst time. just blown coverages or maybe it was just the wrong play call for the situation. You know, if you, if you see the, the running back, like, like Edwards in motion, I think it should be kind of on Shiano to call time out there on a third down <laughs> to, to get the personnel right. Or to yeah. maybe just like he sees it and you know, it's, it's kind of like not, telling your your co-pilot when you're driving that the car stopped in front of them they're not paying attention it's like yeah. sometimes you just kind of have to interfere um and he didn't so i i do think this is a game that you, the coaches performed worse than the players in all honesty because you have a, a, a myriad of bad calls on on third and short and fourth and short yeah, that, uh, yeah you have some you have some total blown assignments on defense and you know, you'll have to watch you'll have to watch the film in terms of whose fault that was, but that could just be a terrible play call in that scenario. Um, but I, I I do think coaching got us let us down. We got out coached today, especially the Michigan offensive coordinator versus Joe Harris Simiak. And I'm a big Joe Harris Simiak guy, but that was not uh, overall uh, an effective game plan we were calling on defense. And I, I do want to call out a few super chats here. P Matt Aposit, uh gave us a two dollar donation, so thank you very much. Uh, and HGJ threw a super chat out. He said, F the refs, but Gavin looked like he took a step forward today. I agree. I thought Gavin played really well, um, even though the stats might not be a clear indication of that. I thought Gavin kept us in this game more than, uh, you know, was a deterrent. I, I don't think the the interception was on him. I think that was a terrible play call by yeah. by a guy who I thought has had a good season calling yes. plays yep. in uh, Soraka. Yep. I just don't think it was anybody's day on the coaching staff and they'll have a lot to, I'm sure Greg will have a lot of uh, very long talks with the, the whole staff uh, this week. And it might also just be one of those things where um, not that I'm, I'm, I'm alleviating the blame, but it's, we just did such a huge talent discrepancy between two teams. Yes. Yeah. And it's really hard to, cause like you said, I don't know, you know, we're not in the room. We don't know what, going on we don't know why they're calling the plays and who's maybe not taking responsibility on the field to make sure the plays are successful so um but yeah it is what it is it was it was definitely not their best coaching day no question and they've done a really good job to this point um and you were mentioning how whims had done a pretty good job on the uh on the decisions the run pass options i mean especially the run the run to either hand it off or take it himself options. He had the third and four run on first down on the following drive after they, after they tied the game up. Then he had that 15 yard run right after that. Then he had that second and nine pass to Jackson, which was nice and everything is rolling along nicely. Um, But here's, here's one of the first really bad, like what is the, what are the officials doing that screwed their entire drive? Last play of the first quarter, they hand the ball off to Manongai they blow the whistle. Yeah. When clearly the, the the pile had not even come close to stopping yet, and the pile moves past the first down marker. And I'm not look. Maybe if you want to say Michigan held up because of the whistle, fine. Whatever you want to say it, but we still would have either had a first down or been right next to the first down. Instead, that's not what happened. <clears throat> we wound up with a fourth and one on the first play of the second quarter, and then we got stuffed. But the legal, uh, the legal procedure, we got lucky on Michigan, um, and uh, we wound up kicking the fifty, the fifty-one yard field goal that was missed. So, yep, I, we did miss one thing that I want to shout out to that Flynn Appleby seventy-five yard punt. Oh yeah, it was getting a lot of national press. You saw a lot of Barstool guys, a lot Good of one. like fantasy yeah. like experts tweeting about it. Uh, and for those of you who either didn't see it or you know want a refresher. Uh, Rutgers punted, I want to say from their own, like, like 18 yard line, 
Um, they Michigan didn't really put a whole lot of pressure pressure on Flynn Appleby. So what did he do? He did the Aussie style, you know, long rollout where he rolled out probably for about four seconds before he actually punted it. And he just launched this nuke uh, of a knuckleballer that rolled down to the six yard line, uh, totally flipping the field. And that's, that's kind of still like, I felt like, okay, this is another situation where we're going to, you know, make them drive the length of the field. And of course they scored the tie. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was like an eight play drive too. I want to say like eight plays, like 94 yards. Um, that was the one that they had like, like you said, the Edwards completion for like 30 yards. Yes. They had the flea flicker for another 30. So anyway. Yeah. Uh, it's seven uh, play drive. It's, and it's unfortunate because of the punt. But yeah, yep. he has done a really good job. I mean, yep. we're very fortunate to have found another really good punter. We're not going to dismiss, of course, Mr. Corsack, but he has done a really good job. And by the way, one of these punts, he is going to take off. Oh, yeah. I, I'm surprised that Corsac didn't take off more when he was here. I think he only had the one against Nebraska in like 2018 or 2019 where he actually kept it. Um, but, you know, when you're rolling out that long and a lot of these guys played Aussie rules football, so they're used to actually yeah. like taking a hit and running up field. Sure. They got some speed behind them. They never really called. I don't know if it was because they're too valuable to get hurt, but they never called the fakes. They, they've thrown they've thrown more passes in, on fake punts than they have uh, done on runs. Uh, but I thought the thing that made that that uh, that early whistle even more egregious is later in the game they they clearly were letting Michigan just like run yes. those piles for, yes. forever, yes. and then Blake Corm clearly fumbles on that one pile exactly. push, yes. and then they called it down. That. They don't even review it. Yep, and it, that's just another instance of these refs being god awful today. Yep. Anyway, absolutely onward. <laughs> that was that was a huge one and it changed uh, and and that 51 yard field goal by the way was really really close. That was not a bad effort by Patel. They were sending out push notifications on the different uh the different like sports apps like ESPN sent out that he kicked the field goal and was good and I think fantasy sport one of the other fantasy uh, apps they sent push notifications saying he made the field goal. So that's how it looked on TV. I thought he made it. But you know, upon like the other view where they kind of position it underneath the yeah. goalpost, goal it was clear that he missed it. Yeah. But it looked it looked true from from the uh, the long view. It did, and that stadium in general, with I don't know what it is. Maybe it's all the colors by the by the fans. It is real tough to follow the ball. Uh, yeah. Whenever anybody kicks it there, so. That was, uh, yeah, that was one of them that that uh, that was too bad. Because if he, because let's think about it. If he makes that, now Shiano is thinking, all right, he can make a 51-yarder. Now maybe he doesn't go for it on fourth down. Maybe he goes and kicks yeah. the field goal and then get the three points. And now all of a sudden, you know, that's a completely different game. So, again, it was so, there were so many little things that happened until the pick six that Rutgers was just there. If they had a break by the official, if they made just one other play, this game could have been completely yep. different in the fourth quarter. So that's all we could really have asked for anyway, to tell you the truth. So, yeah. Right. Yep. So after that miss, uh, Michigan gets the ball back. But what I liked about this, uh, this defensive uh, stand is that after Michigan got into field goal range, they had, Three plays, I think maybe a run and two passes or whatever. But Rutgers did a really good job of tackling and keeping guys from breaking tackles yeah. and just getting them down. So it was fourth and two, and it forced Michigan to go for the field goal. And they decided to go for the field goal. Then they had the delay of the game, which was really weird because I don't know if you noticed, I, I flipped back on my clock to see what the clock was. It was on one second. I was like, why, why did they call that yeah. delay a game for? <laughs> They usually yep. wait like a, a second after the zero and they still give it to them. But uh, that was a little weird, but I said, all right, we got a break and then he missed a field goal. So. Yeah. Yep. And that was still a fairly easy field goal. I think it was still under 40 yards that attempt. Yeah. Um, it wasn't that far. That was a miss from, okay. It was a 42 yard attempt. It was a 37 that got pushed back to a 42. 42. Okay. Yeah. So I thought they did a really good job holding him to that field goal, get a break. Um, and things were still looking pretty decent. But um, once again, a couple of bad third and fourth down situations. Rutgers on the next drive, or I believe it was the next drive, Rutgers couldn't get a first down on third and one. But Michigan gets the ball. You get the first down on fourth and one at the Rutgers 23. And then Melton gives – and 
it looked to me up until this point, Melton was doing a pretty good job. I see him covering Wilson, who's had a fantastic start to the season. And for the most part, Wilson was not open. And I'm thinking, well, maybe Melton turned the corner. Maybe this is the game that Melton turns the corner. And then he gives up a touchdown to some guy I've never heard of in my life on third and long. Just a backbreaker to give Michigan the 14-7. Yeah, and I think you hadn't heard of him because that was his first career touchdown catch, (laughs) uh, unfortunately. Um, But yeah, I think us as fans, we've kind of been conditioned to think that Max Melton is this shutdown corner. And I think game after game, he proves that you know, it, it could be as simple as one big error a game, but he's making those errors. He's allowing a big completion on him almost every game. And they called a, a DPI on that. So even if they did. The, the receiver didn't catch it, it was still going to be a big play because of the penalty. Um, I don't know enough about defensive back play or cornerback play to kind of break down why exactly he's been struggling. I don't know if he's been taking a lot of gambles, sort of like Trayvon Diggs does or if he's just taking a lot of bad route. I know on the, the, the touchdown catch, he doesn't even turn his head, and that's part of the reason the flag gets thrown. He's just running in coverage, and he sticks his arm up into the receiver, and uh, the receiver still finds a way to make the catch. But, yeah, it's it's a bummer because uh, I think he's got all the physical attributes to be an NFL corner. I just think he, he's been struggling this year for reasons that are not totally known to me, and I don't uh, pretend to know everything about defensive back play. So. Is he out of eligibility? No, he's got another year if he wants it. Um, I don't know. He might even have two because um, I believe he was class of 2020. Uh, let me take a look. Yeah, uh, that is interesting because if he continues to play like this and he could come back. He yeah, he has one more year of eligibility if he wants it after this year. Yeah, he's got to pick up his game because at this point, I mean, we thought just a couple of years ago he was a lock to be a, a, a you know, at least a day two guy. Now it looks yeah. like uh, he's he, there's no way he's sniffing anything other than maybe fifth, sixth round, probably something like that. And he's probably getting an extra yep. round or two boost just because Shiano's coaching him. So, yeah, I, I, I think he'll he'll definitely get drafted whenever he leaves. It's just. You know, he was a guy that PFF ranked him as like the fourth best corner in football before entering the season. And I don't think he's played nearly that well um, to no. this season, at least. Nope. And then Rochelle, uh, after kind of the fair catch deal and all that was, all right, well, he hasn't dropped the ball. And I guess it's a learning process. I even mentioned this last week and everything was looking good even on the first punt that he caught it was almost like oh he's got a little cocky in him now where he's where he caught yeah, that with yep. the two guys in front of him so maybe his confidence is and then he has the bonehead play of calling fair catch and he's not even five yards near the ball on the kickoff and that could have yeah, been a big was, disaster I mean, so it seems so underrated to have just a guy who's got a cool head in those situations like you don't even necessarily need to have a guy like a like a Devin Hester back there. And I say that I said, you know, I'm throwing Devin Hester's name out because everyone knows like, okay, big explosive returns. That's not really as big of a thing as it used to be in football. You just need a guy who's not going to make mistakes in, you know, when there's three guys around him screaming at him, you know, or, you know, it's a high pressure kind yeah. of situation. Like I believe last week, uh, Virginia tech had, a, I think they returned a kick that would have probably trickled out of bounds. Um, right before they turned the ball over early in the game. I and even those that. kind of scenarios of knowing of knowing the situation where like this is probably trajectory wise gonna you know roll out of bounds, we're getting the ball at 35, but I got nervous, picked it up and started running with it. Now I'm at the 12 taking a huge hit. Um similar to to, to to Rochelle today. He didn't take a huge hit, but he did cost us, you know, 10 to 15 yards by by doing what he did. Well, that could have been really bad because let's just say, I mean, first of all, lucky that Michigan didn't have three timeouts. Uh, and then they they just left what two seconds left, even though they didn't pick up first down. So yep. it worked out. And 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 Shiano could have, I mean, uh, Harbaugh could have called a timeout like with a minute to go and like kind of forced the action, or even he had the timeout left. I don't know. I was kind of surprised. Yep. I was happy that he wasn't using that yep. timeout. That was, I mean, this is Rutgers we're talking. This is an Ohio State. I mean, what do you think we're going to go ninety seven yards in like thirty seconds? So yeah, yep. 
But, uh, very surprised that uh, we got away with that. Anyway, third quarter. And uh, once again, Michigan on the drive that kicked the field goal. They had a third and one. Uh, first down run by Corum. They had a fourth and one. McCarthy held on to it, picked up the first down. But then uh, the sack by Bailey uh, put an end to the drive on third and nine. And Michigan had to settle for the field goal. And it was 17 17. And then the next 17, drive. Seven. Excuse me? 17 7. 17 7. You said 17 17. Oh, okay. 17 7. And then the next drive was the last drive of the game, really. That was the game. That was the drive where they looked good. They got down in, uh, they got the pass interference from on Michigan, which was lucky because that yep. was, that would have been third and long and that would have been punt. Um, yep. Yeah, because I was second and 15, and it was a play that, you know, at best we're getting seven, eight yards out of yeah. and setting up a third and long, yeah. and they committed a bonehead thing. So we got a break, and then we had that couple plays, including pass to Jackson, and then you mentioned the Dremel eight-yard catch on third and 10. Could have been pass interference. Instead, it wasn't. And the fourth and two screen interception pick six. Touchdown game over. So. Yep. And again, that was a play call that never should have happened. Like I thought, I thought all of the third and short and fourth and short calls to, on the day, for the most part, were pretty awful. Like we, no like, imagination. I don't know why we can't. I don't know why we can't run power and mix it up a bit. I don't know why we can't, you know, do something that Gavin's more comfortable with. Like how many screens have we thrown up to that point in the game? I zero. Yeah, I don't remember any sc- had, many screens this year. Yeah, so why break it out now, like in that kind of situation? Like he was doing really well in the outbreaking stuff towards the sidelines. Why not run that? Even even the stuff he struggled with a lot of this year in terms of like the slants towards the middle of the field, I thought he did better than he had all season. He's clearly making progression uh, in the system. Why 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 call a screen there? Because you're just outmatched. Like the, the speed across the board on Michigan is way faster than than Rutgers on offense. Yeah. And they, they swarmed to the ball, and you saw it. They, they didn't have a shot in hell of, of even getting any positive yards on that, let alone a first down. So that, That's one of those plays where it, it looks a lot better when you, when you draw it up, and maybe yep, you think you absolutely. have the talent that you don't. And it's like you yeah. – because you, you're asking Wimsat and the, and, and the offense to go one way, and we're going to fake him out by turning right back around and throwing the screen that way. And you're asking your your offense and your offensive line, which is not more talented than the than the Michigan defenders, to hold them as long as they because it's asking a lot in that play. That's like one of those. I think the, I think he was maybe hoping for a touchdown. To tell you the truth, I think they were hoping that maybe we can crack one. And this is the way, but the, yeah. the, the percentages are just too low for that. So, yep. yeah, maybe if you want to do that on third down, fine. But fourth down. It's the percentages were just way too low. So, yep. But uh, again, for the most part, I think uh, Casey's done a really good job, and everybody is entitled for a bad day. Um, but I think when we think about this game, and you guys do your post game coverage in a few days, I, I think it's I think it all soak in that yeah, there were missed opportunities, but I, I I'm not really that upset about the loss because i think i would have been more upset of course if they, we were just steamrolled and if it was like oh man we're just overmatched we, you know this is like last the last two years when we started three and oh we're just we're not as good as we thought but no we we hung in there and i think it leads me yep. to believe that as long as they keep improving each week like you were saying with those road games against iowa and wisconsin well, why can't we win one of those games now I, you know, that they're not yep. Michigan. We can win. We could just play a little bit better and, and, and improve by the time we get to those two uh, road games. I think we could win one of them now. And I didn't, wasn't so sure about that a week ago. Yeah. You got to think that, you know, between going on the road to Wisconsin, home versus Michigan State, on the road to Indiana, on the road against Iowa and home versus Maryland, you got to think there's at least two wins in that group of five games because I still think Ohio State's going to be a big ask. I think oh, yeah. Penn State's going to be a big ask. Yes. But if you can't beat two of those five teams, especially this year, Wisconsin's adjusting to a new offense. I knew last night they they were beaten down on Purdue pretty good. Um, 
but their first three games, they didn't look that great. No. Um, Michigan State, they looked terrible. Like they got beaten at home by 41 last week against a very good Washington team. But that's the type of team that you, you know, you, the type of game where you expect it to be a little bit closer. Um, Indiana hasn't looked great, even though they had that, you know, they only lost by 20 to Ohio State opening day. I believe uh, so. Iowa's looked bad. Maryland's looked okay. I don't know. I think there's at least two wins in that group of five. And the good thing is, and matter of fact, I think it, I, I see Gabe has no injuries, question mark. And I think that that is a good point that we've had some injury bad luck recently and we haven't had that yet this year guys have been banged up it happens you miss a few guys still haven't played yet it happens you know not having long out there is not good but for the most part yeah he'd be a great addition to this 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 lineup i mean we're really missing a guy like like chris long yep but for the most part i mean to know that guys will be back and we haven't lost, you know, some key guys. And now we're t- we're relying because we're just not deep enough yet to rely on 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 our third and fourth string guys. That's a good sign so far. I know it's early, but just get by Wagner real quick. Don't have any injuries because you don't want anybody getting banged up against a high school team. Just yeah, just yep, yep. Take an early lead, you know, forty-five nothing at halftime or whatever you got to do, and just rest everybody and play all the backups and and move on. So, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm pretty happy about, it. but we'll see about getting these guys back, uh, because you would guess that maybe, maybe we'll get long back for Wisconsin. Hopefully. You would hope so. Um, you hope he comes back hundred percent because I don't know what his injury is, but I know he was healthy for, you know, a lot of, he was healthy for the spring and he was healthy for most of camp. So you got to hope that we get him back. Um, I know Shiano said that, Based on how they do injury reporting now, um, they're not going to discuss guys during the week unless they're out for the season. So it's a good sign that he hasn't gone out there and said somebody's out for the season or not. I have a hard time believing we're going to see a guy like Tyler Needham back at any point this year, given you know how hurt he looked against Virginia Tech when he got carted off. And uh, the way that Shiana talked about him, it sounds like He's going to be one of those guys that's questionable every week, but probably doesn't play the rest of the year. Or even if he does, it's probably the last few weeks of the season. Um, but I think everyone else you'll, you'll see back at some point soon. You know, the other thing that I think they have to start doing at some point is, I mean, I mean look, I don't know the status of Samuel Brown. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know if they're still just slowly bringing him back and he's never going to have that 100% label this season i don't know or Manungai's red hot we're gonna keep going with them until we don't but i we really miss brown in these situations third and one fourth and one yeah yep absolutely we need, we need the yep. big guy because Manungai is too small to be asking him against the big michigan team now he can do it against the other teams we faced but when you when you're playing the yep. big boys at the Big Ten, you can't ask Manungai to be picking up third and third and one, fourth and one short all the time. He's just not that. That's just not his game. So, yep. you know, hopefully, yeah. Another guy it was exciting to see back though is Aaron Young. He had a couple good runs. Um, mm-hmm. His first run of the game, he just he looked like he had fresh legs, and he he went 14 yards on that first run, running over a few Michigan defenders. But yeah. I agree. Sam Brown would be that guy that you could put out there last year, especially. Do you remember how many times? for the first, I don't know, four or five games where it was just like, if anybody got touched behind the line of scrimmage or at the line of scrimmage, that was it. They were just falling over. They were basically getting pushed down. Yeah. And then when 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 Sam Brown got started to get in the rotation more, it's like, oh, <laughs> we have guys on this team who could actually make a guy miss. We yeah. have guys who, you know, could fight and fall forward, you know, turn a, a you know, a guy who got hit in the backfield to a two-yard gain rather than a three-yard loss. You really do miss a guy like him because I think him and Manungai could form a nice one-two punch with guys like Aaron Young and Deshaun Benjamin playing that uh, third down, you know, receiving back kind of role. But I don't feel like we've gotten the the running back alchemy right this year yet. Despite the success we've seen from Manungai, I don't think we have that perfect balance yet in the backfield. Yeah, uh, and hopefully we'll get that soon because now that Young is back, uh, if, if if they feel Brown is is almost ready. We got to start taking advantage. Uh, 
I don't know because it's. I guess we'll probably. And again, this is one of those things. Do you play Young and Brown? Give him enough reps against Wagner just to get them going, almost like a preseason game. Like let's let's use this game to kind of give them a little bit more reps. Or do you just feel, nah, it's not. I, I'm not going to risk it against this team. So that's going to be interesting to find out. Find out. I mean, what what do you think? Do you think they should just go ahead and 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 if they feel that these guys are close, to use this Wagner game as a game where let's let's give them some more reps. Let's double their reps. I personally don't think you'll see a whole lot of guys who have had injuries in this season playing against Wagner. I don't think it's really necessary. Um, I think you'll see a lot of young guys play. Like I think we'll see a lot of Alshadi Salam and Sean Benjamin. Uh, we'll start the game with Kamenong guy, but I think you want to have a healthy Sam Brown when you get into the real thick of the schedule. Like this is the start of it, obviously, but Wagner is you know the last bastion of bad teams left on the schedule. Maybe Indiana and Michigan State are bad, but they're still Big Ten teams. They still have oh, Big yeah. Ten talent. Yeah. So I don't I don't personally see Rutgers uh, playing Sam Brown or uh, Aaron Young probably into the second half. They'll, they'll get some touches, don't get me wrong, but I don't see them risking their health for the rest of the season against Wagner. Is there a particular player that you think that, I mean, somebody you want to see that you haven't seen yet that you're like, hey, I want to see what this guy can do. I know we're not going to see him. Maybe he's a freshman. Maybe he's somebody yeah. who's only going to play uh, you know, less than four games or four games max. So I, I do, first off, I want to just point out how much I love the new redshirt rule where you can play up to four games and still retain that redshirt. Yes. Um, some, some guys that I do think will be exciting to see who I've heard a lot of buzz about. Um, I, I want to see more of uh, Bo Mascow on defense, the defensive back. I want to see more of Abram Wright, the linebacker on defense. I've heard really good things about both those guys. Okay. I think it'd be nice to establish Ian Strong this game. You saw that huge catch, the opening uh, game against Northwestern. He yeah. had a really nice catch today, but I, I feel like you got to find a way to really get him involved with the offense because he's one of the more talented skill, skill position players we have on offense, but he's just not getting enough playing time. Um, I really want to see a tight end breakout at some point. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Like we've, yeah. heard, we've heard good things about Sean Bowman. He hasn't really played well uh, enough to kind of justify playing over Johnny. But what I mean is we've taken a lot of really toolsy – uh, tight ends over the past three classes when you just take a look at uh, Victor Kanapka, Mike Higgins, and this most recent class we took a guy in Logan Blake. I just want to see one of those guys, you know, run the seam for a 25-yard catch in, in <laughs> yeah. you know, in coverage. I just, is that too difficult to ask? These guys are all 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, like, these are guys you should be using as mismatches, and none of them seem to get on the field. So that's kind of, I want to see some tight end flashes. Um Another guy I'd like to see a little bit out of, I guess, in, in this game um, is Moses Walker. He hasn't gotten a ton of playing time, but he was one of the highest-rated recruits Shiano's landed in yep. the 2.0 era. He's the number one recruit, number one ranked recruit in the 22 class out of New York. And I just want to see him just dominate some people because he has, you know, just size and speed that jumps off the tape in terms of what he was doing at Erasmus Hall. But he hasn't really, you know, he got he tore his ACL in preseason last year. I think it was the spring, actually. Yep. Um, he, he obviously took a red shirt. This year, I don't think he's played much at all. He's played on special teams, but he hasn't played in this linebacker rotation, which is all of a sudden, you know, three really good players. True. Um, Terry Powell, Motore, and Deion Jennings. So those are some of the guys I'd like to see uh, personally. No, it's a good one. Moses Walker, especially. Yeah, if, if we're going to see him play like – extensive time and maybe end up with more snaps than any of the linebacker, this would be the game. So yeah, yep. let's give him a shot. But again, you never know with the injuries. That's another thing. We don't know. It's college. Yep. I heard that story. I was reading that story. I forget where, where I guess they're actually talking about having an injury report now for college. Did you see that? Yeah. I mean, for those of you who don't know why injury reports even exist, like they were introduced into the NFL purely as a way to let gamblers know what was happening <laughs> in terms of in terms of injuries. Um, and college obviously is a huge betting market, and that's a big push, especially as these conferences get these bigger and bigger deals. You've seen the programming on you know the morning shows or the you know the the game day shows, like there's so much gambling involved now, and so they want to kind of professionalize the injury reports. And the Big Ten's taking a you know, a leadership role in that. Oh. Uh, it feels a little scuzzy, yeah. but it's got to happen. Honestly, it's got to happen. 
Yeah, it is. It's just too crazy. I mean, uh, it's the one thing where for years you just keep looking on different sites and you're wondering, I mean, is there anybody out there that can give me some sort of consistent injury updates? And there just isn't because nobody really knows, especially when you're being told certain things like, oh, yeah, Cam Rising, he's going to start against Oregon. So he's coming back yeah, yeah. against uh, Baylor. He's coming back. And then all of a sudden you turn the game on. It's like, He's not even dressed. He's not even playing. I mean, I thought you said so. Yeah, yeah. That's it's from one end to the other end. It, it needs to. They need to do a little bit better job. But you're right. I, I don't think I need to know every little detail. I just want to know if a guy is a guy playing or not. Is he starting or is he sitting? You know, what is the situation? Um, I mean, why not? Especially, I mean, can't we know if certain kids like Brown or Walker are? Um, you know, is, there's some designation there that they're not 100%. I mean, how is that going to affect the opposition? I mean, they don't care. I mean, that's not going to yep. be a big deal. Yep. So, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I agree. But it's, I don't know. And it's tough because in the NFL, you could, you know, if you institute a rule, you have a commissioner and you have all these billionaire owners. You know, if, if a team breaks the rule, it's easy to, to punish that team. It's yeah. very hard to punish, you know, Bowling <laughs> Green for lying about their, their injury report. You know yeah. what I mean? Because, you know, sue the school or are you going to find the school? Like, it's a lot harder to, 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 to legislate all that. Um, but I mean, I'm, I, I really do think that I don't know how long it's going to take, but I'm, I'm guessing that in about, I don't know, maybe 10 years. I mean, it goes by fast. So maybe 10 years college football is mm -hmm. going to look a lot like the NFL as far as standings yeah, and maybe there'll be a two conferences and something like that. East, West, you know, some, you know, they, 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 that, that's the direction it's going. And I, yeah, and I, and yeah. I, and I, I can't wait to get there. Yeah. Everything that's happening now is just so awful. You know, the, the switching of here and going there and just, it's just, it's just so confusing, but we're in the middle of it. But I think once we get to the other side, I think, I think it should look a lot better. So. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I think we've kind of exhausted almost everything. I'm, I'm reading through the chat here. If anyone's got a last second question, feel free to, to bring it up yeah, in the chat. Because we um, don't really have a lot to say about Wagner. And um, <laughs> next week's post game should be what, what time is the game? 12? Uh, it's a 3.30 game, so the game should be over around 6.30, 7.30 game with Wagner. Okay. Yep. Interesting. And is that going to be – when is homecoming? So homecoming I'll, – I'll just run through the next uh, handful of games. So we got Wagner next week. It's at home, September 30th, 3.30 kickoffs. It's going to be on BTN. The following Saturday we play at Wisconsin. The time has not been announced yet. Uh, which is normally a good thing because they're kind of deciding whether it should be you know, a tier three, tier two, or tier one game. Um, so that's October 7th. October 14th is homecoming. That's versus Michigan State at noon. Okay. There's no TV carrier for that announced yet. If I had to guess, it's going to be on BTN, though. Uh, the following Saturday, we play at Indiana. That's also a noon kickoff. Um, then we have a bye week leading into a home game against Ohio State. So that's kind of the next uh, the next month the next four games on the schedule or next five games on the schedule for okay. Rutgers. So so no night games. Very as very of important now. stretch. No night games as of yet. Um, I don't know how many opportunities we'll have for a night game the rest of the season either. Um, yeah. The only one would be, let's say hypothetically, Rutgers rolls into Ohio State at six and two. And Ohio State is either seven and one or undefeated. I can see that being a night game, uh, but other than that, I can't see Maryland um, the Saturday after Thanksgiving being a, a night game. That's normally a, a noon kick. But if there was going to be another night game, it'd probably be Ohio State. Okay, and and we don't know yet with the Wisconsin whether or not that'll be a road night game or day game. Yep. Okay. Yep. Time hasn't been announced for that one yet, but I would imagine that game. Usually, they announce the the time of games uh, when it hasn't been announced well in advance. I believe, like two weeks ahead of time, or if not two weeks, like ten days or something like that. So we should get a time for Wisconsin this week. Yeah. So when we do the the the, the pretty fast, I would imagine post game show next week, uh, <laughs> it. Uh, We'll know what's going on with the Wisconsin game. And that's that's it, really. If you look at it, between now and Ohio State, November 4th, there's just one 
big game on Rutgers schedule one. And we're going to be a disappointed fan base if we don't go into Ohio State with a six and two record. As weird as that sounds, yeah, I'd say that's pretty pretty dead on because you should beat Michigan State at home and you should beat Indiana on the road. And I don't even want to say whether you should or shouldn't beat Wagner at home, but that's uh, that's a given. Well, you the should, thing with you you see, the, the way I look at team. it is is if you're if if you if you can't beat the teams you're supposed to beat, well then you you know then beat a team. You, I mean, yeah, if you can't beat a team you're not supposed to beat like Wisconsin, then don't lose a game that you're not supposed to yeah. lose. So, yep. you know, I mean, if they can just win that Wisconsin game, so that's, that's, that's just shows you right there. What a monster game that could be based on the rest of their yeah. schedule. Yeah. If they can just, cause I just get the feeling after this game today that they, they have it in them. They can win one of these big games this year. I don't know when it's going to be. I agree. I agree. But I certainly hope they do. I'm willing to take a, 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 a switch off. I'm willing to go win Wisconsin, lose Michigan State. I don't care. I just want the big win. <laughs> I want the big win to hang our hat on. So when we're at the end of the season and we go bowling, we're like, we're a bowl team. And then don't forget, we had that big win against whoever. So I don't want to go to a bowl and then, you know, and then look at our schedule. We beat all. I mean, look, they're going to be wrong. Going to a bowl is awesome from where yep. we've been. But wouldn't it be just better be legitimate? If we went to a bowl and we actually beat a decent team, not well, look at all their look at all our wins. We all beat teams that are yeah. not going bowling, something like that. I don't. Uh, that's that's not really a whole lot of a successful season, as far as I'm concerned. So, yeah, and I think that's the primary driver as to why basketball's popularity is shot through the roof is because you go into every game with the we could win this. We've beaten you know number one Purdue sure. on the road, yeah. like. We've upset teams. That's why I'm going to tune into every game and be excited for it. Yeah. Where Rutgers, you know, when's the last time we've gone into a game as a serious underdog? And I'm not talking about a three-point or a four-and-a-half-point underdog and won the game. I can't remember the last time, honestly. Uh, statistically, like time, it was the Michigan like seven, State game. That's true. But that, that was, was only 11. Year, and, I, and I think we were a seven-and-a-half-point dog going into Boston College last year. But Eight, yep. You know, beating Boston College is doesn't even if even if both teams are three nine. If you go into Wisconsin, a three nine Wisconsin team, and beat them as a, as an eight point dog, it means a whole lot more because it's in conference because you play them more often than Boston College. Like Boston College is, you know, Boston College. Yeah, sure. Uh, for lack of a better term. Yeah, yeah. We actually uh, beat Michigan State and Purdue as eleven point dogs that year. That Purdue road game we had. So, yeah, I don't know. What do you think right now with the line with the Wisconsin line would be right now as of today? Um, as of today, I would say Rutgers would be nine and a half point dog, if I had to guess. Just totally off the oh, shooting off the hip. I don't. I, I'm um, pretty. I, yeah, that's not bad. Because Wisconsin, Wisconsin, has, uh, they're three and one. No, they haven't done anything. Um, oh, they get the week off. They get the week off leading into the game. So they homecoming. have homecoming. Uh, yeah, they have a bye next week, and then Rutgers is their homecoming game. Um, they went into Purdue's house and beat them by 21. They did lose at Washington State, but I think Washington State's they're a, a good sneaky team. playoff contender this yeah, year. They're legit. Um, I have them. Uh, they're somehow underdogs at home versus Oregon State. That Putnam's going to – or Pullman's going to be a, a total zoo today. They play at seven o'clock, so four Eastern um, at home versus uh, Oregon State. They're a three-point dog. Yep, um, that's a good game. It, I mean, if you guys are listening and, and want to get some action on a later <laughs> game, that that was my other best bet of the week was uh, Washington State money line. So um, yeah, I had Rutgers twenty-one or twenty-four and a half points. Uh, twenty-four and a half on, on the spread. And, Gotta you know, love it. They, I, I don't care if it's a half point hey, cover, it works. If it's a thirty point yeah. cover. They Win's cover. a win. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. Well, guys, let's remember thanks. Wisconsin. Uh, that was a twenty. I think it was a twenty-one fourteen game at one point in Georgia Southern. No, actually, Georgia Southern might have been winning that game fourteen seven. I think. 
mm-hmm. and Wisconsin had a 21-14 lead. Georgia Southern was inside their territory and they couldn't score. The total yards in that game, Georgia Southern oh. outgained Wisconsin. Wow. 455 to, 450, uh, to 451 yards. And that was, of course, and sometimes that could be deceiving. Like last week, Virginia Tech out out uh, outgained us too. But if you look at how we scored that game, it was like a lot of short fields. Um, that game never really felt like at, at one point. I'm not gonna lie, I felt you know Rutgers was seeing the game slip away from them, from them, but I didn't actually think at any point Rutgers was gonna lose. Like Rutgers didn't have to, you know, wasn't playing from behind at any point. So I don't know. Yeah, but that was at least in that particular game. And you're absolutely right. You shouldn't, especially in games where teams are like, especially like things like pass defense. If you're, if you've given up like 400 yards of passing in the game and, but Hey, we, we won the game 70 to 21. You know, we allowed all those yeah. passing yardage, that kind of stuff. But, uh, but it was, at least it was a game that when you're leading like Georgia Southern was 14, seven, and it was tied at 14 mid third quarter, then then that's that's a football game. That's yep. I'm okay with that. That's telling me that because uh, their quarterback threw for 383 yards. Mordecai threw Mordecai hasn't gotten going yet, except I I'm did yeah. he have a good game last night? Let me see. Uh, he was he was good on the ground last night. He didn't really have a great night passing, but I know he had yeah, at least no. two rushing touchdowns. 174. Last night on through the air, that was his season low. No touchdowns and a pick, so he has not been. That passing game is not Rutgers. You know, if you're going to beat Wisconsin, it's 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 believe it or not, it's like the old days, which is last year. You have to stop the running game. Yeah. Yep. So that's in two weeks. We'll talk more about that on next week's show. I'm sure you guys talk a lot about it in the next couple of weeks leading up to Camp Randall. So. Mike, appreciate you stepping in for Richie. Uh, hopefully, he's enjoying his wedding, post-wedding. Yeah, it's not his wedding. He's not getting married. He's at a wedding. Yeah. I just want to clarify for everybody <laughs> out there. Um, but I also want to thank everybody for listening, all the questions in the chat. I hope we got to all you guys, at least, uh, if not directly, indirectly, through stuff we've talked about. Thanks to everybody who uh, sent a super chat as well. Um, we really appreciate you guys coming on and I hope you provide some, uh, some coverage that you're not getting anywhere else, uh, in these post game shows, but, uh, for me and Greg and Richie, who's not here and everybody else at, uh, KTR, no TKR. Sorry. I always get that mixed up now that, uh, lights of the road run around. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, and tune in next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.